got drama, the saga continues. We ain't going nowhere. We ain't going nowhere. We can't be stopped now, cause it's bad boy for life. We ain't going nowhere. Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Super Bowl week style, energized by our friends over at Celsius Energy Drink. I am John Ledyard. Along with me today is Matt Matera, rocking a little peach vibe there, Matt. That's right. I like the logo itself. It's almost got like a Miami Heat type uh, jersey look. Yeah, it's got like the the slanted letters, the Mm. slanted letters. Yeah, it is. Great marketing right there. It is. Yeah, it's it's a very flashy one. By the way, for people wondering, I see people always discussing the time. For this podcast, it may say the time that the room was created for you to enter, but the time that we go live is 730 every time unless we say otherwise on a podcast uh, before this or on a podcast or on social media that day or something like that. So it may say the time that I open the room, like the actual YouTube for you to you can enter the, like the room and wait. Uh, you could it literally is called a waiting room on YouTube or or one of the other sites, but it won't go live until 730. So you're you might be seeing just a different time uh if you see that time but yes 7 30 we are live uh tonight and then we'll be live again next week we'll have lots to break down uh for this super bowl obviously next week we will get into a lot of the details of that matchup a lot of the statistics and things like that but tonight we are going to revisit week 12 matt we are going to take a look at some of the key plays players matchups in week 12 what went wrong for the Bucs, what went right for the Bucs in some facets of the game, uh, how they can do better uh, this time around, and how they can change some of those matchups and things like that uh, this time around. But in all of it on this show, as always, is going to be brought to you by our friends over at Celsius. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy. Here's the little thing we got going now that's going to be super, super exciting for fans of Celsius and those who are like, oh, what is Celsius? What is this? Well, you see Matt rocking the peach vibe. I've got the Celsius heat here, the blueberry pomegranate, which is my personal favorite flavor. You've heard me mentioned it many times on the show if you've listened before. And what Celsius is, is it's just the best energy drink ever. There's no crash. There's nothing like that when you drink Celsius and there's no sugar. It's not bad for you at all. You don't get that bloated feeling that you get from soda and things like that. Never get that with Celsius. So I can't recommend it enough. I love Celsius and think you'll love it too. But the cool thing we got going on right now is Celsius. You can, There's a subscribe and save event on Amazon. When you order on Amazon, get 30% off uh, you can subscribe and save 30% on most Celsius flavors on Amazon from now until February 8th. We're going to be talking about it more at the end of the show, how you can get some of your favorite flavors, uh, your best, your favorite Celsius. And then also, if you've never tried Celsius, how you have opportunity to do that too. So at the end of the podcast, stay tuned for your chance to win a three-month supply of Celsius. We are very, very excited about this uh, promotion that we are doing with Celsius right now. Matt, we've got a lot to talk about on this show. Uh, yes, we do. We, um, 
One of the first I want to mention just as we start things off is that right before the show, I changed my shirt and I realized I put it on inside out. You can't tell. I could have gotten away with it uh, because it's just a black shirt. And so you can't can't see on the show at all. But it's inside out right now, actually. So I just want to be honest, <laughs> forthright with everyone. I just want to keep my authenticity intact. That's, that's also, important, though, because if you're not honest with yourself, if a football team is not honest with themselves when they watch the tape, much like the Bucks did when they watched the tape after they lost to the Chiefs, which was their last loss up until right now, you got to wow. be honest with yourself. So all you can wow. do is learn and get better. Wow. I am. That was a very good segue. Actually, I was going to add another point, but now I don't even remember what it was because that was such a good segue. Uh, so we will transition to this Chiefs Bucks uh, discussion here. Appreciate those who have noticed that I did indeed finally get a haircut. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, it is true that I got a haircut in the midst of a Bucks winning streak. I refuse to believe that the two are related. I know that's shocking to you. I really was going to let it go until after the Super Bowl. And then we found out some, we got some cool and exciting things in the work. We're going to be live a few more times than normal over the next week. So stay tuned for some pretty cool announcements from Peter Report leading up to the Super Bowl. And once I found that out, I was like, all right, I got to cut this thing. It's getting out of control. <laughs> so I uh, had to get the fresh cut. Um, so we'll, we'll uh, see if it's related at all to the Bucks win streak. You guys can kick me off the podcast forever. Uh, JT chimes in with a $5 super chat donation, which we greatly appreciate. If you got Thank any you. super chat donations for us, it is meaning the world to us right now in this COVID era. Uh, we are trying to crank content out and uh, podcasts out and all that stuff. So your super chat donations are very, very helpful to us as always. JT says, tried Celsius for the first time today. Good stuff. Thanks for the recommendation. JT, one of many trying Celsius. And we found out yesterday, Matt, on the Pewter Report podcast, if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to yesterday's podcast. Scott and Mark were joined by Nick Carter of the Backstreet Boys, Buck Supervan, musician extraordinaire, and huge fan of Celsius. <laughs> Probably the biggest fan of Celsius I ever seen, Matt. That guy was geeked about Celsius. He was obsessed with it. Like he stopped <laughs> what he was doing just to be like, I need more Celsius. And I, I'm not blowing smoke here. I mean, I watch all the podcasts. I, I'm usually watching on YouTube on my phone. Mm -hmm. This one, knowing it was Nick Carter, I put it on the big screen. I was getting ready to go. It was awesome yeah. to see how excited he is, not just about the box, but about yeah. Celsius. And I just must say, what a significant downgrade of guests going from Nick Carter <laughs> to me so <laughs> I to, say to, us. <laughs> to us no one had to do it i mean i think we're objectively better looking though i don't know how i just yeah i think objectively better looking that's what mm. i think that's what i'm gonna go with that's my that's my thought process that i'm sticking to it obviously uh candle to candle to mark cook in that capacity but uh, we're here anyway matt bro that mustache are you looking to audition for a documentary about 70s Baseball players. I like. I this. thought you were going to say 70s something else. I won't, <laughs> I won't go there. <laughs> Honestly, I, um, I just, to not go contrarian with your haircut, uh, I'm kind of uh, not like crazy superstitious, but I do get a little superstitious with like the playoff beard and mm -hmm. I have certain routines and stuff when it gets to, you know, this point of the season. So that kind of plays a maybe a little role into it, yeah. Right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I am kind of looking forward to shaving it once once the Super Bowl is done. Right. Uh, yeah, Nick Carter was great yesterday. A couple of people commenting and talking about him. It was awesome. It was awesome to see his energy, and I think he just speaks for a lot of Bucks fans. You know, it's funny about what it's funny about Nick is before the show's on, he's on here before we go live, and mm -hmm. he's exactly the same way. Like he's just like geeked about everything. Just 
dude loves life and he's like the most down to earth person. And it's pretty cool. And uh, so, yeah, it was great to see just how excited he is about the bucks in general. And I think he speaks for a lot of the fan base, to be honest. Like um, I think it's uh, it's that time where they're feeling a lot of excitement, obviously not just because of the Super Bowl, because they see it as a winnable game. And I think a lot of that reason for that, Matt, is because the last time these two teams played, this final score was close. Uh, It was a game that was really – you just rewatched it, actually, so I'll let you talk about what your kind of observations were. But if you're rewatching this game, Matt, and you're thinking, all right, what's the path for the Bucs to win compared to what they did last time? What did you rewatch this game and see and say, why were they doing that? Oh, my. That's the reason they lost. What were the things that stand out to you in that way? Well, honestly, the first thing that really stood out to me wasn't even necessarily something that the Bucs did or didn't do. There's a lot of things that they didn't do. But, you know, a, a lot of the focus for this game has been, oh, yeah, Eric Fisher probably gonna, is going to be out of this game with the torn Achilles. So that should help Shaq and JPP get to Patrick Mahomes. But, man. Patrick Mahomes gets the ball out like that. Like you look at the yeah. game, especially in the first half. I it doesn't matter like who you have rushing right. the passer. He just gets the ball out so quick. It negates anything that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And he just got the ball out so quickly and so fast to Tyreek Hill. We obviously know what Tyreek Hill. Um, we we know what Tyreek Hill did in that game. And so mm-hmm. just the fact that he gets the ball out so quick, I think that's just so tough to defend in the first place, let alone anything that the Bucks want to try. Also, I remember, right. I think it was the third quarter, they, there was one moment where they had Anthony Nelson on Travis Kelsey. I said, oh, well, he's going to go to Kelsey on this play. And then Kelsey <laughs> went like 20 yards down the field. Yeah, um, I remember, the, I remember thing, the play you're talking about. Yeah, the, I guess the first thing I really noticed about things that the, that the Bucks didn't do is that they didn't run the ball well, even though the Chiefs pretty much dared them to run the ball. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that the Bucks, the Bucks are in a weird spot for going into the Super Bowl because they can't get into a shootout with the with the Kansas City Chiefs. You're just you're not going to win getting in a shootout against Patrick Mahomes. But at the same time, they can't stick to like running the ball all the time. In, in a weird way, they have to like thread the needle. They still have to pass the ball to win, but they're not going to win like 41, 38. So I think the big takeaway is once they started going with play action was really when you started seeing the comeback. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it is a funny thing because it's like, Oh, some people want to, Oh, let's, let's, uh, let's, you know, take the air out of the ball and run it a little bit. And there'll be less time for the chiefs to have it and possess and get all those weapons going and do the things that they do best and be Mm -hmm. explosive and exciting and all that. But then at the same time, you have the, the, the issue of the fact that you need to score more points than they do at the end of the game. That's like, (laughs) and so, you know, it's like, man, how do we do that? If we, if we, if we, like kill the clock you know we can't do that either so to me you just got to play a game and, and the game for the box is obviously passing the football i mean this is clearly not a great rushing team it's not a great rushing scheme um they've run the ball a little bit better last year that doesn't make you a good rushing team there's not um and so throw the football luckily for them they throw the football well and it's the most valuable thing you can do in the nfl on any part of the ball uh either side of the ball and so that to me is the key to victory but it's about being efficient and not wasting your first four drives of the game so when I rewatch this game and watch Matt, it to me it really starts there, right? I mean, like you can't come out and waste all your possessions early in the game and get behind, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that's critical. You know, the Chiefs, yeah, you could nitpick like the beginning of this game defensively. They should have given Carlton Davis more help. Your first play of the game is an RPO with Tyree Kill coming in motion, where he's reading the cornerback, the outside cornerback. Yeah. 
on an RPO. He throws the Tyree kill. It's a 34-yard gain, and you already, you know, heals back, and then you get two neutral zone infraction penalties, and you're actually fortunate. I, I was going to bring that up. They jumped off sides like three times in yeah. the first two drives. You think Rodgers is good at it, and he is, but Mahomes is also amazing mm. at the at the hard counts. And so, yeah, got to be aware of it. I mean, they got into second and 10 right after that pass to Tyree Kill, and he got him to a first and 10 without snapping the football just because of the neutral zone infraction. So when you get him in second and 10, man, you got – I mean, they're like impossible to stop on third and long. So obviously you got to win second and 10 if you want to even have a, a prayer of doing this thing. And so you can nitpick that defensive side of the ball all the time, but I'm saying like at the end of the day – you can you're gonna if you give up that first pass Tyree kill and a score on the first drive and a score on the second drive whatever like all right like you know that's part like that that's gonna happen against the Chiefs. Yeah. What you can't do is you can't come out on offense totally flat the way that they did and miss an opportunities. Remember, I mean the, the fourth play of the game, I think, from from scrimmage for the Bucks. Your Tom Brady throws deep. It's right Mike Evans is right there. It's a great throw, and Evans just mistracks it. He just the ball goes right past yeah. his hands. He just Kind of didn't see it. This was a not a good game for Mike Evans. Antonio Brown was, and he was, yeah, he, he was there, really but he wasn't did. a big part of what they were doing. Yet. Right, and that's one thing going in the Bucks' favor. If Antonio Brown plays, which we suspect that he will, because he has a lot of time to recover, uh, the the Chiefs aren't going to see the the Antonio Brown that they saw the last time they played him. This is like a completely different Antonio Brown that understands the offense. He's been utilized in the offense a lot more. And when Mike dropped that ball, that was one of the things that really stood out to me. He had a great fourth quarter. You could argue that that was just because the chiefs were playing a different style of defense because they already had the lead. Um, but I would like, as soon when Mike dropped that ball, it made me think of last week's game too, where yes, the Bucks won and they had success, but they had so many drop passes too. Mike had another right. drop pass. Chris Godwin had that drop pass, but then he made the the sick play on the next one on the on the deep ball down the field. Right. Tyler Johnson dropped the ball that uh, would have put them in field goal range. The Bucs ended up punting on that drive. I believe it was the second or third drive of the game. The Bucs can't come out and make those mistakes again against the Chiefs. They just right. if they want to stay in this game, they just can't. Yeah, it's all about execution. I mean, that's what it's this thing's about. Like the Chiefs execute at an extremely high level. Um, and they score. Uh, over a field goal with average over field goal every time they touch the football. Right. So it's kind of like, all right, you know, like this point, you can't really waste any drives and you definitely can't waste a bunch of them and still think you're going to win. Now in this game, I don't even think the chiefs were close to executing how they normally execute. They found the big plays, but they didn't execute an elite level either. They had some drops in this game. Um, one was a touchdown for sure. Uh, it was also kind of a pass behind Miko Harden. He was wide open, uh, mm-hmm. you know, about 80 yards out to start the third quarter. And, and they, the Chiefs missed it, and that would have been a touchdown right there that puts them at 34. They also should have had a touchdown on that opening drive when they did the, like, essentially yeah. kind of like the Philly special where Kelsey was going to throw it to uh, mm-hmm. Mahomes in the end zone, and Carlton Davis was able to knock it down. But if Kelsey throws that ball, like, two or three seconds quicker, that's a touchdown right there. Right. It was pretty wide open. Yeah, so again, their execution was not great either. So, yes, I think both sides – look at this game and they're like, man, there's a lot of things we could have done better on offense. You know, that's my biggest takeaway from like that game should not have been 27, 24. Like it just should not have been, man. There were a lot of points. I, like, I mean, the bucks had the field, uh, the uh, we're in field goal range twice and we're set up to win. I'm, I'm trying to look at the details right now in the second half, remember, and they throw picks, you know, and, and one of them, the one second one was the a helmet. Really, yeah, it was a really random play. The first one is a blown protection. and got hit as he threw. And so it's just like, kind of that messy type of stuff that does happen in games. I'm not saying like they didn't, they deserve more points. I'm just saying 
I think most of the time, neither team makes those kind of mistakes that they made in this game. And that's the, the for the vast majority of the season that hasn't happened. And because of that, I think we could be in position for both these teams to be a little more efficient on offense in this game. And I think we're going to see in the high 30s rather than in the mid 20s. And I think we're going to see the score end up there. So for the Bucs, it's about stealing a possession or two and then executing on your normal uh, possessions as well. Because I think that you, again, if you could find a way, what they're at the Kansas City 36, they blow the protection, Breland picks it off. They mm. force a punt. Uh, and I think that one, that was the drive. The next drive was when they missed. Yeah, it was when they missed the 89 yard touchdown to Miko Hartman on first down. He was wide open, nobody even close to him. And that guy's one of the fastest in the NFL. For sure, touchdown. They miss it. So they catch the break. So neither side's executing. Then they get back. It gets back to the ball, gets back to the box. Great field position. Ronald Jones, 34 yard run. We're in business of the Kansas City 25. Then two plays later, interception off the helmet, and Mike Evans messed up his hot route and uh, and interception by Tyron Matthew. And then it was just kind of like it got away from them from there, and they still forced a punt on the next drive, so give them tons of credit for that. But uh, it, was, it was, again, one of these situations that it was like, man, if you could have just executed one of those drives in a game like this for Kansas City struggling. So I say all this to say, Matt, I don't think that the Chiefs have been this per- perfect execution team this season. Talented enough to do anything and very, very difficult to game plan for in a way that you can stop them, yes. But on their own, they've cost themselves some points all season long, except for basically that Bills game, although they had some self-inflicted mistakes. Which is insane to think about because they only (laughs) have two losses on the season. And And one of them with their back guns. (laughs) And yes, so really they only have one meaningful loss this season. And um. I was going to bring up the Bills game because they spotted the Bills nine or ten points right there. And it kind of goes back to uh, their Super Bowl run last year when they played the Texans. They were down by like 100 points and they came back and won. And then they were down on the AFC Championship game too and they came back and won. Mm -hmm. So even if the Bucs jump out to, I mean, even a 14-point lead, I mean, no lead is safe against the Kansas City Chiefs no matter which way you look at. And the Bucs had a, a significantly big lead against the Packers, and they let that slip away. So by no means at any point in this game can the Bucs decide to take their foot off the gas pedal. Right, but it's a lot harder, I think, for the Bucs to come back in a game like this than it will be the Chiefs. I mean, the, just because just because it's so difficult to keep the Chiefs, as soon as they decide to get aggressive again, it's like, boom. Like, you know, that's how the Chiefs have been all season. Like, as soon as they need a drive, they get it, and that's how they win. I mean, they, they've won that every – that's how they won last year in the playoffs, right? Like, they were down – huge and four times they've been I went in their last six playoff games or something yeah like that. that's what I'm talking scores. about yeah and they just come back and they win and so it's just they're so comfortable in that position where the Bucs I mean I think they have obviously come back a little bit at times this season over a course of a few games but it hasn't been anything against anybody that's a caliber of the Chiefs and so right. it, it really becomes a challenge because getting points might not be that scary you know they came back against the Chiefs last time getting points is fine but then you have to hold the Chiefs you are not let the Chiefs get any points. And there, there lies the tricky part, I think, a lot of the time. Because as soon as the Chiefs feel you inching up and, and inching up closer to them, they got aggressive and they closed out the game with that drive. And, and the Bucs couldn't get the ball back at the end of the game. And so that's why I think, yeah, starting slow in this game is probably death. Like, I, you probably can't do it. Um, it's, uh, you know, and I know people are going to say, oh. three and outs, too. It's really the three and outs that have plagued them. Yeah, yeah dude. Like, they, you know, they – for the life of me, man, they it feels like most of the time lately since the bye week, 
there haven't been as many like just straight up three and outs. Yeah. Most of the time it's been like you get the ball to midfield and you stall out late. Like that's been the trouble spot for them. I feel like if they can get into enemy territory, Bruce Arians gets aggressive. You know, if they can get past the 40, Bruce Arians starts getting aggressive on fourth and short. Like we've seen that all season long. They execute well in the red zone for the most part. They've kind of got it from there. They're pretty dialed in as an offense usually. But between the 40s, like that area for whatever reason is just – that's where they've had a lot of their drives stall out. Now you're winning field position battle if you do that, which I do think is critical in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you don't want to give the Chiefs short drives or you're really screwed. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I think that's been one of the keys for them. They can just find ways to get out of third and long all the time in those situations. That's going to help them a lot, I think, as an offense. And they got a little lucky last week, too, because they had some third and longs, and they were able to execute. I think in the first half of the Green Bay game, Third down was a huge part of that. They, Dude. I think they went um, like seven of nine or yeah, they had some a, crazy. They had a great ratio on, on third down, and that changed everything, especially that first drive, the the touchdown drive. The, the right. Bucks converted two or three third downs to go up seven nothing in that right. one. Right, and that's going to be one of the keys. Like, can you stay out of those situations all the time? Because I don't think Green Bay had great scheme in those situations. I mean, any second and third and longs, they didn't have great. I mean, third and fourteen. They're playing everybody way off. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I get it. But like, if you're doing this, they're going to pop Chris Godwin on the screen. Like, and they're going to release people. You know, you're playing nobody on the second level. You know, and it was the same right. thing on the Gronkowski screen later in the game, second and 11. And, and you're playing quarters and your corners are already backed way off. Like, this is easy. Like, even without the eye candy of the ghost motion with, with Scotty Miller, like, this is easy. You know what I mean? And so I don't think Green Bay schematically put themselves in great position on a lot of those third and longs. And the box had great answer, great plays, and great execution in those situations to give them full credit. I just think Kansas City is going to make you – they're going to force the issue a lot more, right? Like Kansas City is going to blitz on third and long, guarantee. Oh, Kansas absolutely, yeah. And, and you saw the, the the few times that Green Bay actually did blitz. They – I don't want to say rattled, but they were able to – you know, yeah. disrupt what the Bucks wanted to do. That was uh, one of those interceptions by Tom Brady was when he pretty much just threw it up mm-hmm. on third and two. Yep. And, you know, they blitzed off the left-hand side, but Leonard Fournette had already yeah, he just yeah, had moved right, to, like, yeah. the other side. So Brady had to get rid of it, and Mike Evans wasn't looking. Right. I will say for the Bucs, um, more than anything with, with, the, with the X's and O's and the execution on third down, they did a great job of, finding whatever weakness that was on Green Bay's defense and just continuing to exploit it. And in that case, it was it was Kevin King, who they just completely targeted all the time. And it led to a lot of the a lot of the 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 touchdowns that the Bucs scored in that mm-hmm. game. So I think that's going to be I mean, any that's really the key for like any game is find the weakness in Kansas City's defense and just keep going and exploiting that. Because if they can find one that they can really give the knockout punch to over and over. Then right. they should. Uh, then they should be in business. Yeah, that's the tricky part. There's not really like a weak link in the Chiefs' defense. Now, individually, they aren't dominant players, but it is a great scheme, and that's kind of how they've gotten by over the years. And they've played really well, and it's just been overshadowed because of Mahomes and Hill and Kelsey and yeah. Reed. You know what they've been able to do, but their defense has really played pretty well, even without great contributions from a big free agent signing like Anthony Hitchens. Or Frank Clark was, a, I believe, a trade, and they, even without like him being what they hoped he would be. Um, trying to think who else, uh, you know, they have they've gotten a bunch of great contributions from corners like 
Jarius Sneed and Charvaris Ward, Charvaris Ward um, guys who were not high picks. Uh, day three guys, undrafted free agent guys. Bashad Breland, who was cast off from several other teams. Yeah. He's a, every time I watch him, I'm like, man, this guy's good. Like, why did nobody want him? Like, Green Bay, Washington, all these teams didn't want him. Um, and so, yeah, they are a tough team. And really, but more than anything, they're a tough scheme uh, where the Packers would not necessarily blitz a lot. And even the Saints really relied on a lot of four man pressures. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs are going to blitz. Uh, the Chiefs probably blitz the Bucks more than any other team has blitzed them this season. And especially at the beginning of the game, the Bucs did not have answers for those blitzes. And so it affected the game greatly. You know, Brady's trying to get the ball out hot and nobody's looking, nobody's getting their head around, nobody's aware of what's going on. I mean, hots were the story of the game. Let me just quickly run through yeah. for people. The interception off the helmet that uh, that was on the on the play to Mike Evans. Mike Evans is supposed to turn around and stop when he sees pressure come from that side. He doesn't. He runs his route inside toward the linebacker and that's flowing over from the opposite side of the field. Brady knows he can't throw it in that space, otherwise it's going to get picked. So he tries to get it to Evans really quick before he gets hit, goes off a helmet, and the whole thing's messed up. But again, Evans should be over here, and so you're not trying to throw through the defense defender in front of you. You're throwing into that space right there. Evans messed up the route and ran it in right into the right in where the Chiefs were dropping that guy out. And if Brady throws it later, it's probably a regular pick rather than a bounce crazy pick. And so that's why he has to get that ball earlier in the game. You remember uh, ball goes through – is it Brady or Eau Claire? I don't remember whose hands it was. One of the tight ends. Right. Yeah, it was on the third round. Yeah, yeah. so he's – again, it's hot, and Brady doesn't get his head around until late, and the ball's on top of him. But you got to see it. Pressure's coming, and you as skill players have to see it, and you have to turn and react and find the football. You have to be smart, and the Bucks receivers were not early in that game. And so, in the same – again, Antonio Brown play, uh, where Antonio Brown runs a wheel out of the backfield, actually, and everybody's like, oh, Antonio Brown's in the backfield. Yeah. We love this. He runs the wheel yeah. out of the backfield. Chiefs send pressure again. Yeah, Brady chucks it up to him. Well, Antonio Brown's either got to flatten out there and sit down once he sees pressure coming. But again, he's coming out of the backfield. He's brand new. He might not know what he's supposed to look for. He's got to either widen and flatten or Ron Gronkowski, who is the tight end of that side, has to break off his route and turn and find the football. He runs a vertical route instead. So again, it's just like guys not really seeing the whole picture and Brady kind of being hung out to dry. There are what I say four plays there um, that were pivotal plays in that game. You know, two, a couple of those were third downs, I think. And so, mm. again, it was like Brady was kind of getting hung out to dry by the scheme, and everybody's kind of like – and then the, the pass to Mike Evans that goes by his hands, and it could have been a big game on the first drive of the game. They blew the protection on that play, you know, and so he gets hammered. Um, and uh, it is – it's just was a really brutal game. Brady, I thought, played great at the beginning of that game, and it looked like a bunch of incompletions to people because nobody else was on the same page as him, and everybody else was kind of a little bit lost. So – uh, I thought he was making great decisions, and he knew the Chiefs were going to send pressure. He knew where it was coming from. Nobody else seemed to be as aware. So once they got that stuff straightened out in the second half, other than the, the Evans mistake, where I think that was more of a he isn't used to playing in the slot type of issue. Um, other than, well, than that, they got those things straightened out, and they played a lot better in the second half. And that is when I think Arians is talking about when he says that we started moving in the right direction. That yeah. that second half against the Chiefs was just the last half they played before the bye. And then after that, you could start to see, I mean, definitely the first half against Atlanta, the next week, the execution wasn't all the way there for sure. And again, right. there were some protection issues. So I think working those protection issues out between weeks 12 and 14, and, oh, sorry, it was the Vikings game after that. Uh, but working those protection issues out in weeks 12 and 15 helped them become a, a better team leading up to the playoffs. And then they've been a lot better 
under pressure situations in the playoffs. The O-line's played great, and, and the communication's been good, too. Oh, yeah. The the offensive line, especially in the postseason, has been phenomenal. There's there's no – as far as pass blocking is going, there, there's no other way you can say that. And, and the matchup so far in the postseason has pretty much played – into the hands of, of the Bucks in terms of, you know, Washington, they were going to try to get home with sweat and, and young. And so it, it was up to the tackles to do their job and, and block them, which they did. Same thing with the saints where they thought they were going to be able to essentially get the pass rush they needed with, with just a four man front and the Packers, we saw they don't like to blitz a lot and they didn't have that. I mean, they didn't really have that much success when they just had the defensive line yeah. uh, going up, trying to get Brady. So this will be the one big difference that we haven't seen a ton in the postseason for the offensive line so far is picking up all of those different blitzes that we're going yeah. to see. And this is where it's a little dicey, too. I mean, we, we talked about it a ton about that the Bucks don't really have like a true pass catching running back where Brady can just dump the ball off to. Sucks. We already know about Ronald Jones. But um, yeah. I mean, playoff Lenny, love playoff Lenny. But I mean, outside of that run that he had with with the spin move when he was hitting the circle button, I don't remember who said that. I think it was either you or Scott that was saying that and hitting the circle button on that touchdown. I go Scott. He had a couple drops in that game too. He he made the clutch fourth down play that led to the Scotty Miller yeah. touchdown. There's no doubt about that. But there were some other drops in that yep. game where it's it's yep, too, like right you're not now. always confident every single time the ball is thrown to Leonard Fournette that he's going to catch it. I still I like I'm still in for playoff Lenny. I think he can do good things, but it's something you got to be a little bit concerned about when the blitz is coming and Brady's going to dump it off to the running back. Playoff Lenny is just marketing. Still it not is. good. Hot says. I mean, that's, it's kind of true, but I mean, I give him credit. He's made clutch plays in the playoffs. I mean, he almost dropped that angle route wide open against the saints on third down for a touchdown. You know, it was like, dude, come on. Like they're looking at the replays coming back from break. They're like, I'm surprised this wasn't challenged. This wasn't reviewed. I was like, me too, because it's Lenny. But it was no, I mean, he has stepped up and yeah. he's made plays like, and it wasn't his fault that he couldn't run. I don't think in my opinion against the Packers, I thought the O-line yeah. got their tails kicked. And honestly, the scheme is just so predictable. Like, you know, if you're going to run every first down, if teams are already thinking you're going to do it because you put it on tape the week before. And when you just keep doing it, you just play right into their hands. It's just so Maybe easy to defend. They're just playing possum all season long because they yeah. knew they're going to get to the Super Bowl. And now they're just going to do they're gonna something. They're going to break out the Shanahan run scheme. <laughs> Yeah, just completely put stuff that no one has seen on tape yet onto the field. Okay. Well, it's funny because, you know, we talk about the run game a lot on here. and People think, like, especially me, that I like hate running the football or hate running even on first down. I mean, numbers have definitely shown us that it's the least effective time to run the footballs on first and ten. Well, second and ten, too. But even second and ten might be more effective. It just might not be valuable enough to get you in a good situation for third down or to convert the first down, which should be the goal on second and ten. Um, but, yeah, I think that you know, running the ball is good. It's just a matter of when you run it in the scheme that you run it with. And that's my biggest thing with the Bucks. I just think it's so predictable. Like they just double the tackles and they, you know, trying to get to the linebackers eventually, but the linebackers just fire like all mm. the time. And it just becomes a big, it's a big mess every it time. It's all it is. a huge cluster up yeah. in the middle. Right. And, and they have the closest up. splits right in the league. I was showing you guys that right. the other day, the next gen stats ran and the Bucks have some of the, whether they third closest or second, something like that closest splits in the league between the linemen. So if you ever watch the Bucs, actually watch the Bucs and watch the Chiefs in this game, and you'll see it. Chiefs have some of the widest splits. Bucs are like guys are like this. 
like right shoulder. There's, and it's because they run duo. And, and so the doubles, you want both of them down block and they're both getting to the tackle and then climbing. Well, it's just predictable. <laughs> like it's hard to find space as a running back when there is yeah. no space, you know, when everybody's like constricted like this. Um, you know, you can define the gaps better if you had a better scheme just by the way you line up. Anyway, content for another time. Probably a little bit too deep yeah. for the podcast. <laughs> and um, to stay on the topic of running, you you go back to the the first Bucks Chiefs game. The Chiefs were able to end the game and kill the clock at the end because they had everyone spread out. They're running the ball at a shotgun, and they were getting five or six yards a clip on the Bucks, who have the best run game, uh, run stopping defense in the league. And they were essentially able to. I mean, they threw some passes at the end, but they were able to kill a lot of clock just from running the ball and you would never think that going against the Bucks run defense right yeah it's a uh, man I mean it's it's something you almost have to give the Chiefs and I think that's the what the Bucks ran into in the second half was like man if we give them pass if we play if we don't play two deep safeties you know even in these situations they're just going to throw the football and they're probably going to complete it like you know, that, that's really how they thought they know it you know Andy Reid here's what makes him so dangerous he's unpredictable look at him he's throwing on third down with a game on the line for midfield with yeah. Chad Henney like he's aggressive and when you're aggressive the teams know it it makes you really unpredictable it is hard to anticipate mm -hmm. a lot of defense is predictability right you're playing the odds on this situation this is what they do most of the time but with the Chiefs they're up late in the game and everybody's like oh you know most people would run the ball, you know, most people would, uh, you know, would, would just run the clock out in this situation and see what, you know, take what they can out of a drive. Chiefs will throw on first down and they'll throw deep if you, if you leave it open for them, especially the way Tyree Kill was going off in that game. So that's what made it tough. And that's why I say you can't start slow because if you do and the Chiefs get up, they're not necessarily just going to run it three times and you get a chance to get back in the game. They probably will stay aggressive, especially in the Super Bowl, and they'll keep coming after you. And it's just, Law of averages, man, an offense that good, they're probably going to end up scoring once or twice more and make it really, really hard to come back on the Chiefs. You know, I think everybody, even the most avid Bucks fan, agrees. If you get down 14 nothing and you're the Bucs, well, against the Saints, maybe it's possible. You know, like that, that offense yeah. isn't exactly explosive down the field. You could get the ball back against them. But against Washington, oh, that's possible. You know what I mean? Against Chiefs, uh, it's probably game over. So you have to make sure yeah. you're matching them early out of the gate because you know Chiefs probably – are going to start fast because they usually do, but it's uh, it's going to be a situation where I think Tampa Bay's offense, much like they did against Green Bay, honestly, the first drive against Green Bay was so encouraging because they were throwing the ball so well on third down and there was Brady and Evans were clicking and it took them a while to get back to that per se, mm -hmm. uh, but they were still able to have a lot of success offensively in the first half. And you can put up 21 in the first half against the Chiefs. I feel good. You know, I don't think you're going to be in a bad spot. Let's say that even if the Chiefs score three touchdowns, I think I'll take 21-21 going into halftime. Yeah, absolutely. A anytime you're close going into the fourth quarter and you have Tom Brady as your quarterback, right. you, you'll take that every day of the week. And that's kind of right. like one of the things, too, that I thought about with the Packers, with you know, with this Super Bowl coming up, is no matter what, you can't doubt the GOAT. <laughs> You've just you seen it so many times. And almost in this weird way, and there's, there's like no way you can really quantify it, but People know when they're playing Tom Brady and it like messes with their head and it makes them yeah. do things that they normally wouldn't do, like kick a field goal on fourth down from the eight <laughs> yard line when you need a touchdown to tie the game. You just that didn't make any do. sense. I don't know. The just the presence of Tom Brady, it messes with people's <laughs> head. I'm telling you. What's the Chiefs against the spread this season? Do you remember? Aren't they like they, they have a oh they have... I, I thought you were asking about like the spread for this game? Um no, no. This season, like, I feel like they've been disappointing in that regard. 
they definitely haven't been as good as, yeah. as far as covering the spread as they have been overall. Anyway, right. if you're thinking about betting on this game and laying down some money and trying to win big, do it over at mybookie.ag. Uh, it's that time of year again, time for NFL playoffs and specifically the Super Bowl. You've waited and watched all year as your team rose to the top or fell to the bottom, but now it's your turn to win big. You've heard the name just about everywhere, My Bookie. They're the industry's leading online sportsbook and casino, and it's not hard to understand why. With thousands of lines to bet on all your favorite sports, NFL, NBA, college ball, check, check, and check. MMA and soccer, they've got all the latest odds, period. Take advantage of MyBookie's prop builder in live in-game betting where every single run, throw, and touchdown is another chance for you to put cash in your pocket. Visit their mobile-friendly website today and get your deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Just use the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, when you make your first deposit. The best part is they make it simple with a variety of ways to deposit instantly, including credit card, bank transfer, Bitcoin, and more. Whether you're at home or on the go or on your laptop or your phone, it's not too late to make your New Year's resolution a resolution to get paid. Bet, win, and get paid at mybookie.ag. Use that promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R. We talked about kind of, okay, what did they do in the last game? What did the Bucs do in the last game, Matt? And how can that kind of, uh, you know, how can that be rectified in this game? How can they do things differently? One of the biggest ways, Matt, is by a different approach to Tyree Kill. And I think not only is it one of the biggest ways, I think it's one of the base ways, biggest ways, and they know it. Like they know that part can't be the same this week because Tyree Kill in that first half had 210 yards receiving. Eight catches, 210 yards, two touchdowns. I'm not saying they wouldn't have had the same amount of points because they only had what? Was it 17 points at half? 20 points, 20 to seven at half. Yeah, not saying they wouldn't have the same amount of points or more points even, you know, that's possible too, but it's all about process, right? Like we always talk about process and they in covering Ty- Tyree kill one-on-one with Carlton Davis is a bad process. Like Ty- Carlton Davis is a good corner. It just doesn't match up well with Tyree kill. I don't know that many people do, but especially not a Carlton Davis type, you know, Tyree kill is too hard to press. Uh, I'm not saying don't press him. I'm just saying he's too hard to press. Mm-hmm. If you don't have any help. You can get by in an instant. You might hit hit him. You might land a punch, you know, half the time. But when all it takes one time for him to get by you, and it's night night. And so you have to have a different approach to guarding and covering Tyree Kill. What do you do? Do you play two deep safeties most of the time and let the, and dare the Chiefs to run the football, which mm-hmm. the Raiders have done before, and obviously won one of those games. Uh, they also yeah. the Raiders did beat them. They also had like the Chiefs blue like more coverages than I've ever seen a Spags defense blow, at least definitely in Kansas City. And so it's kind of like, okay, well, um, all right. Uh, I don't know that this is going to happen every week, but at the same time, it's like, okay, so you made them run the football and there's been some other teams, the Bills, the first time they played, not not this past, I didn't, I don't know about this past time, but when they played in the regular season, the Bills, same thing. They were like, okay, dared you to run the football. I think the Chiefs had 27 points in that game, but their defense just took the Bills apart, so it didn't matter. To me, that's what I do. I dare Kansas City run the football in this game. I give them great box looks. Great box looks. 100%. I think you got to play two safeties and challenge them to run the ball. I mean, if you have the best run defense in the league, you might as well try to dare someone to run the ball against you because you're playing it in your hands. But, John, there are two things that the Bucs got going for them on the defensive side of the football. I tweeted about one, and a lot of people commented about the other. There were two players that did not play in that last game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. It was 
that nose tackle in the middle that made good. A, a much bigger dif- difference than I thought he was going to in the Green Bay game. That's Vita Vea. And cornerback Jamel Dean did not play in that game either. And Jamel Dean is the hands down the fastest cornerback that the Bucs have on the defensive side of the ball in the secondary. And I wouldn't necessarily hate the idea of putting your quickest cornerback on a guy like Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. I, mm, hmm. I'm, I'm not saying it's saying. perfect. Right. I'm also an advocate of just, and this is kind of goes back to a lot of what the new England Patriots do when, when, when they're at their best is they just, if it's like double teaming Tyreek all game or double teaming Travis Kelsey, they just, they will do whatever it takes to just eliminate the best player on the opposite side of the ball. So if you want to take out Tyreek Hill completely out of the game and double team him, you're still going to be playing with fire because Kansas city has so many different weapons, but at the same time, you can't get burned the same way you got burned last game. It's just that you can't, you have to learn. You just have to learn from those. I played two, I'd play two deep safeties all game. Yeah. Basically all game. I mean, obviously third one, you know, well, you know what we're saying as a base out of base, I play two, two deep safeties. Right. I, I make them make you different. Okay. So, they want to put you know multiple you know tight ends in the game or something like that. Okay, we can adjust off that maybe uh, or maybe not. <laughs> but um, we, you know we we kind of work with that as as it comes. Uh, so I played you two deep safeties. I play Carlton Davis on Travis Kelsey when Travis Kelsey is flexed. If they're going to use him away from the formation or if they mm-hmm. go to three by one and they put Kelsey to the single receiver side, I play Carlton Davis against them because. Carl Davis is the only dude that won't get physically bodied. SMB will get bodied. Uh, and I don't think yeah. Jamel Dean's technique is good enough. Carl Davis can play with Travis Kelsey um, and obviously can run with him, but he can play with him physically, I think. And so that's he, – he'll scrap with him. And so I want to put my best corner in that situation. I put any of the other corners. If Tyreek Hill's inside, Tra- Sean if you want to, great, and have the safety be aware. If he's outside, Jamel Dean, and, I, and that's fine. You know, and again, this is when – I think Carlton can be on him too – but this is when Travis Kelsey's flexed. If Travis Kelsey's in line, you can't put Carlton Davis on him. Right. So what do you do when they move Travis Kelsey? You know, if they play him in the slot, Carlton Davis hasn't played in the slot all season long. SMB has. Jamel Dean hasn't. Do you put SMB on him? I think it's a disaster if you do. I don't think SMB stands a chance against Travis Kelsey. I love that the guy's made progress. Maybe he'll make me look stupid again. Yeah, all the turnovers. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Travis Kelsey and Sean Murphy Bunting is a mismatch. Physically – uh, in it, terms that you have to have good technique to play against Travis almost, Kelsey. It, to, to bring it kind of uh, bring it into Buck's discussion, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, like just picturing Travis Kelsey going downfield and say like it turns into a run play and he has to block Sean Murphy bunting. It kind of reminds me of Patriots Colts a while ago when Gronk just like destroyed that defender. And then after the game, he said he had to kick him out the club. That's just kind of what I picture would happen in that scenario. I like your right. idea, idea of putting Carlton on Travis Kelsey because Carlton th- takes things personally, you know, right. and he That's would take it personally right. to defend Travis Kelsey. I mean, we've seen it all over social media about him going back and forth with Michael Thomas. I'm still obsessed that he called him Slant Boy. I, like, I think about that at least once a day since it happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. It's so great. I like to. They well, win. I think what. Well, it's no, a I fake story. Everybody ran with it. Championship. And the first thing he does is he keeps tweeting at Michael Thomas, who he beat a week ago. <laughs> I 
don't know. I just find it. And the, the best part is that the slant boy thing is just a, is a made up story. It didn't actually happen. Right. It was a fake report, and then it just caught wind, and everybody just decided to act like it was real. Like, yeah. So it's just been hilarious to watch it continue to take off. But um, okay, so here's what I do then. Okay, so that's the game plan in in certain looks. Okay. If Travis Kelsey's going to play in line, and that's where they're going to try and keep him, okay, to keep keep him away from a corner. Not that I expect Carlton Davis to be like this. I mean, mm-hmm. I think Carlton's great, but Travis Kelsey is disgusting. I mean, this guy's second in the NFL in receiving yards. He's a freaking tight end. It's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. So, so if Travis Kelsey's going to play in line, what do you do then? Okay. Um, here's my plan. Okay. If Travis Kelsey starts to go in, in line and they're still using three receivers, okay, 11 personnel, Travis Kelsey's in line. I am rolling Antoine Winfield down. Ask him to play a little man coverage. Maybe it's a little ambitious. We'll see. Uh, even if Travis Kelsey's in the slot, I'm trying to roll into one Winfield down. Ask him to play a little man coverage. I'm playing Mike Edwards deep. I'm going to get Devin White up there on the line. I'm going to play a little Jordan Whitehead on the second level. I'm going to give him some three safety packages. Here's the reasoning. Patriots have had some of the best success against the Chiefs offense. Yes, they have. Perfect? No, but they had success, and they played Jerron Harmon, Devin McCourty, and Patrick Chung. They had their tight end eraser. They had a free safety in Harmon who could pulse, who, who would just a free safety. That's Mike Edwards. He's got to mm. play that role. Devin McCourty can do a lot of different stuff. He's normally a free safety when you have two safeties on the field. That's Antoine Winfield. He can do that. But again, in this situation, I almost think Winfield takes on like some of that Patrick Chung-ish type responsibility. You chip Kelsey off the line when he's in line. You hammer him if he's in the slot. You do different things like that. Maybe Randy even hits him when he's in the slot. I don't care. You got to get hands on him. You got to beat him up. Um, Patriots have done that. Had some success, but they're not the only team that's done it. They're just, I think, get that clips going viral with them doing it. But right. you know, they're not the only team that's done it. Had some success. Travis Kelsey's still going to get his. But again, it's about percentages. Can we take him out of a couple plays by doing this? Then you got to capitalize on offense. You know, that's that's what it is. We're talking about thirty points here. Like, you know, defense got to hold the Chiefs to not having thirty some points. In right. This game. We're not talking about shutting them out or holding. Yeah, them we're not talking about like, oh, how do you hold the Chiefs to fourteen <laughs> points? Like, yeah. You don't. <laughs> And Good and luck. I think um th- that's that's kind of what the the Bucks did well and they're like completely different players and, and different schemes and stuff. But I I was thinking into the game in, into the game and I I bet on this too on my uh on my story betting the Bucks. Um, I bet that Devontae Adams was going to have less than ninety yards and he did. I don't remember the total, but it was definitely less than ninety yards. And I thought a big part of the success that the Bucks are going to have besides getting turnovers and things like that was limiting their best player. Like, you knew Devontae Adams was going to do things, and I, he scored a touchdown in the game, but he didn't dominate the game where he took it over and went for, like, 150 yards. They held him to less than 90 yards, and I think that's kind of the same mantra that the Bucks have to take into this game. It's just you got to take Hill and Kelsey, and if they don't have monster games, you're going to be in the running at, at the end of the game. Yeah. I'm curious what you think about and I don't even necessarily know the answer. Like, would you blitz Mahomes more or less than what the Bucs did in the first game? Because I was talking about earlier how he just gets the ball out so freaking quick. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> but Devin White, I, up, until, up until the NFC Championship game, no one was getting to the quarterback better than Devin White. Right. Well, that's the key. I mean, the key is figuring out, like, the, Chief, the Chiefs are amazing at getting the ball out quick. So, you know, you would think maybe blitzing yeah. doesn't matter. Maybe you get a tip ball and somehow, you know what I mean? Like maybe right. you cause accuracy issues or something like that. Again, I'm not saying there's a high percentage play here. I think you maybe blitz them a little bit more than last time, but still not a lot. That would be my that would be my guess. I, I just don't think you can blitz the ball. You'll get killed. Like, they'll kill right. you. 
something I do want to see, and you know, this could be an emphasis on Vita Vea having a big game and making Mahomes, you know, roll out to either either the right or the left. Uh, something that Buffalo, I think, didn't really get to do too much is going into that game. The big story was Mahomes coming off the concussion and the turf toe, and I don't think we really got to see Mahomes tested that much with like running around and seeing how much that injury really affected him. Now I'm thinking uh, I'm in a volleyball league on Tuesdays and we were in the playoffs and we had this game. We were playing against a uh, bit of an older team and this guy like dove on the ground and it took him a little bit to, to get up. So what did I do? I was serving. I hit that ball to him on my serve at least like five times, you know, wow, ruthless. don't, don't be, like obviously play within the rules and stuff. Don't be like stomping on his foot or anything, you know, when the play is right. right. But I'm saying like, if you know, if he's healthy enough to play and he's going to play, do what you can to see like if how much that injury is really going to harbor him when he's playing. I'm sure like he'll be fine. He's had plenty of time to, to rest, but right. if Mahomes oh, yeah. isn't 100% and who knows, he could be health, like fully healthy by the, yeah. by the time the game goes on. But why not try to get him moving around if he's not going to be a hundred percent and, you know, take advantage of that way. One of the trickiest things though, is that Mahomes needs so little space and time to be able to get a throw off. Like he doesn't need good footing. He doesn't need good angles. He doesn't need his feet set. That's one of the most difficult things about blitzing him is that he literally, yeah, he backpedals back out of the pocket and you're like blitz could come in clean and he can backpedal and throw with accuracy and velocity. Like, uh, you know, that's just not how most quarterbacks operate. Like we, we wonder how is Mahomes so good against the blitz? You know, it literally only has to do, it has more to do with his arm strength than his mobility. In my opinion, like obviously mm-hmm. he is mobile and he is big and all of those things help him. But to me, he just can create space and then throw the ball still without resetting. Like that's a full second difference. You know what I mean? Like most right. guys had to reset, like Brady has to reset. Like most like normal humans have to reset to throw a football and he just doesn't. And so, I mean, there's one play, the Bills guys literally twisting him and he's like zipping the ball with accuracy on the money. Like, it's just like, so that's why it's so hard to blitz him, I think, because, but then if you don't, he'll take all day back there and, and you know, heave one deep for eight yards. So yeah, it's like I said, you have to be unpredictable and you have to you're blitz certainly. If you do and you're damned if you don't. It's that's right. just how it is. I know some, some some Bucks fans are so mad, Matt, that we talk like this about Mahomes, like he's not God, like he's pretty close, you know. <laughs> like, but uh, the, the, I know the comments in the last one I saw, not during the show, but like after the show, I saw people comment. They were like, "Oh, you're acting like this team's like so." Mad. I mean, I've never seen anything like Mahomes in my life. They like, have I don't say that lightly. Mahomes starting this season. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, it's. It's hard. It's hard to do. And it doesn't mean it's impossible. It just means it's hard to it's hard to have a game plan that fully controls what Mahomes does because he does so many things well. Now Hosswai Juke says, here's the scary thing. Mahomes has his highest EPA per play versus two man. Uh 0.55 EPA per play seems like the coverage to play to me, too, but apparently he torches it. I don't know what you do. Yeah, you have to vary it, but I'm guessing Mahomes' numbers are pretty great against everything. So I don't know whether I wonder how much he saw two man as well uh this season. Uh, mm-hmm. I know teams try and play him in zone a lot because because he'll run, but again, it's pick your poison. It's really hard. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just hard. It's hard. Um, you know, I don't think there's a formula per se. You hope you get you get something to work on a play, um, and that's and that's what you need. Um, I don't know if there's a as a formula yet um, for how to do that, how to how to get this thing done against him. Um, so that's where it gets tough. 
so yeah, there's a lot of different ways, a lot of different paths. Um, you know, we're kind of drawing up the different, uh, you know, ways that the Bucks maybe can be a little bit more competitive in this game or make a little bit more happen in this game early on, especially to stay in it and some of the things they need to change. One of the things that we've changed since the last time these two teams played is we've added an awesome partnership with Locker Room um, this uh, this year, Matt. It's been a ton of fun to use Locker Room. It's an app uh, that's a social audio app. And it's changing the way we talk sports. It's the only place for live audio conversations about the takes, rumors, news, and teams you care about. React to sports news as it happens. Gather all your friends and watch parties for the biggest games. Rep your favorite teams and find your community. Better sports talk is just a tap away. Download on the Apple App Store and join the conversation. It's free. Locker room is awesome. Get on there. You make an account real quick. Follow Pewter Report. We will be going live on that app before the Super Bowl, and in some capacity at halftime of the Super Bowl as well. We're going to work out the logistics of that because we'll all be in different places, but we're going to work out the logistics of that. We'll be going live on that. Again, it's a social audio app, so fans jump in. There's a bunch of people in here, uh, and you can shout out if you're in there, uh, that already are on there. I know Shay's on there, and uh, and uh, Ren, Ren is on there. Haas Y Juke's on there. They're in there, and we do shows, a bunch of other people that are in here too. We do shows every week on there, and they're like detail. We talk X's and O's. We talk details of the game. It is a blast. We have had so much fun with it. And fans jump in and they, you know, you got you can say your your two cents or whatever you want. Um, we talk about it all about the game and, and get you ready for the Super Bowl. It's gonna be awesome. I think we had 30 people or something in there uh Tuesday night, Matt. It was oh, it was fun. Yeah, was really I, have a, I have a ton of fun doing it uh before the games. It's 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 a nice venting <laughs> platform for all Bucks. Especially fans. at halftime. Everybody yeah, gets oh, in there. Especially at halftime. It's um I, yeah, it's great interacting with the fans. We have awesome fans. So the more that we can interact with them and, and let them share their thoughts and we give our analysis, you know, the more the better. Right. Yeah, it is on, isn't available for Android yet, but they are working on it, I believe. That is in their plans uh, to have that available soon. Locker Room's pretty brand new, so we kind of jumped on it early on, and we're excited about that partnership. They sponsor Bucks Briefing as well, uh, my Tuesday morning column, and then I usually do a, a Bucks Briefing kind of break down locker room chat um, with everybody uh, on Tuesdays as well. It was a good one uh, this week. So it's been a lot of fun um, doing that. So if you can, yeah, go over, download that app and uh, follow Peter Report and join us on there. It's a lot of fun. Matt, we have so much to break down in this game. One of the challenges is that we've got so much time until the game. We've got four more shows next week, and we're going to have guests on the show. Um, we're going to have an offensive and a defensive specialist, like a, a coach, uh, either a former coach or something, or somebody who coaches or studies the game now uh, that's an analyst now. We're going to have them come on the show, I think, together next week at some point. I'm going to keep it secret who that is until they're totally locked in. But we're having them come on the show, and they're going to kind of I'm going to kind of walk them through scenarios. Okay, the Chiefs come out of this. Here's what they're doing with Travis Kelsey. How do you counter that? Like, I'm going to say, oh, the Chiefs go three by one. Kelsey's a single receiver side defensive guy that's on the show. Like, how do you defend this? Like, what is your plan for it if you're the box in these situations? Uh, how would you uh, How would you line up against this? That's <laughs> why Duke says Rex Ryan. No, it will not be Rex Ryan. <laughs> Might be somebody who knows. Oh, Rex knows Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> um, Raymond Pease throwing out predictions. He's ready. Bucks 39, Chiefs 34. He don't care. He's ready to call number. it. Uh, chats, uh, TJ says, chat, what do we think is the magic number for the O? 35 points? Be nice. I, be nice. I mean, I think 35, I, I feel like blame would probably be off the O, but. Um, I think it's got like for the bucks to score. Yeah. I think it's gotta be between like 30. Right. I think at minimum, it's gotta be 33 points. 
I agree with you, though. I agree with you. Maybe Todd Bowles will dunk on that. I mean, they can do that. They, yeah. I mean, the Bucks, they can do that. the Bucks offense isn't bad either, and they've oh, obviously they turned can. it on. They've obviously turned it yeah. on since their last meeting. I think we're going to see uh, – he, he's been pretty quiet um, this postseason, but that's because he's been doing a lot of other things, especially for the offensive line. But Gronk had over 100 receiving yards the last time that they played Kansas City. That's so great. I forgot about that. I would not be shocked if they they bring that back again. Or you know what? Cam Brate has kind of he's been like a I don't want to say I I was I jokingly said he was an X factor in the postseason, but you know he stepped up his game. That all the tight end production has come from yep. Cam Brate. So right. that and Antonio Brown being weeks ahead of where they were last time. I mean, let, let, we've everybody's playing team. better than they were in week 12 for the box. Right. And yeah, so no question. Better, so much more continuity. And I think it's only going to take, well, not only, but if they can get one or two turnovers against Mahomes, which they had the, the force fumble, which was a little lucky too, because the, the chiefs were already all the way down the yeah. field in the red zone. And SMB did have an interception and got called back on a, on a roughing the passer. But you know, they've, they've, uh, you know, it's like in a UFC fight when you see some blood on you, you, you land a hit and you see some blood on the on the uh, on the opponent. This team is not unbeatable, you know. It's, <laughs> so the Bucks got some stuff going for them, definitely. Right, and you're right. Everybody on the Bucks is playing better. I mean, objectively, not even just as a continuity thing as a scheme thing. I think all that's better too. But Tom Brady is playing better. Uh, you know, Mike Evans is playing better. I thought the Chiefs game, he had been playing better, in my opinion, honestly, before the Chiefs game. And then the Chiefs game, I didn't think he played very well in that game, to be honest. Um, and I thought he missed some opportunities for big plays. You can't do that in this game. Didn't play very well last game, to be honest with you. Um, you know, hasn't played great against the Saints, uh, to be honest with you. So they need a big game from him. But I think in general, he's been playing second half of the season. Obviously, after that Chiefs game, he played a lot. He was continuing to play a lot better. Um, and so that was... That was huge. I mean, um, Antonio Brown being what he is now, I think if he's back, you know, that's better. Um, you know, so I think you know, offensive line, you know, Donovan Smith's playing his best football we've oh, ever yeah. seen right now. Ali Marpet actually was not very good in the Chiefs game, to be honest with you. Like, that was probably his weakest game of the season, in mm-hmm. my opinion, maybe. Had a couple. Um, had a couple penalties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and so I think everybody – yeah, I think it's everybody. Um, and obviously, you know, not having Kappa hurts, but um, – if they put Chris Jones against Aaron Sinney, I am great fear. Chris I Jones to me is one that. of them. I mean, if you're Kansas City, why why wouldn't you do that? Oh, they'll do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they'll do it. Uh, and they put him against John Feliciano for the Bills, and that's Bills kind of weak link on the hey, offensive line. I think they run the ball like they did Ooh. against Washington and and New Orleans. Then then they got something going for them there because then they right. could just keep passing the ball like you know. Yeah, that like right. That I I think we're going to see the Bucks still try to run the ball on first down. And here's yeah, the thing: I, I think it's a bad process, it, but, but right. But Kansas City is not an elite run defense. It's not as good as any of the teams they played in the playoffs against the run. Mm-hmm. So even though it's a bad process, if you can have a lot of success with it, if you can have more than you know four yards of carry success with it, I don't think it necessarily keeps them from winning the game like it would against some of the other teams they played. Uh, I don't, I don't like it. Uh, I think that they can't do it every single play like they have done the last couple of weeks, but I don't think it, it damns you uh, like it would have if they didn't get all the turnovers in the last game. I think that that it's a yeah. big, to me, it's a big, it's a difference um, because Kansas city will give you the run and 
and I don't think they're great at the run. Even even Chris Jones, as great a player as he is, is not the same player against the runs. And the Bucks ran the ball well last time, and they weren't even in a position to run it very mm. often. So, yep, if you're me and you're asking me to guess, uh, Matt, I'm going to say that I think running the football is a big part of the plan for the Bucks. But again, I just they're I don't think you can do it well enough. Yeah, as, as you say, if it is, you might do it well. But uh, do you do it well enough to beat the Chiefs? I'm not sure you do. So we'll have a lot of time next week to talk about that. I did want to talk about. Uh, this amazing opportunity you've got with Celsius uh, to win a free month supply of the Celsius flavor of your choice. Celsius and Pewter Report have teamed up to announce a free product giveaway of a three-month supply of Celsius. Originals, heat, BCAA, and sweetened with stevia, meaning 8 to 12 pack cases or 96 cans of your favorite in-stock flavors Two lucky Pewter Report podcast listeners and visitors will be chosen at random to win that three-month supply of Celsius. Here's the details, okay? I'm going to throw it up on the screen here so you all can follow along with me and get this visual for those of you who are watching the show. It's a three-month supply giveaway. First thing you got to do is subscribe to the Pewter Report YouTube channel. Go to Pewter Report TV, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell to get the notifications for when we go live. Once you've subscribed to the Pewter Report YouTube channel, you can follow Celsius on one of their social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Then you just have to screenshot or, or provide image proof of the subscription and the follow of one of Celsius, uh, Celsius's social media platforms. Once you've been able to do that, you just submit your entry to www.celsius.com backslash pewter. Once you've done that, contest ends February 8th and the winners will be chosen shortly thereafter and notified by Celsius. So it's an awesome opportunity to win yourself 96 cans of your favorite in-stock flavors at Celsius. So definitely check that out. Really cool stuff uh, from Celsius, and we are pretty excited uh, to be partnering with them on that. Next week, we're going live four times once again. We'll be back Sunday night at 7.30. We'll be live for you again. We start getting into the nitty-gritty and the details of this matchup even more so next week. What to expect statistically where the teams match up individually. We'll talk more about that. We'll have guests on the show. We'll also have a ton to talk about from the media days going on. And we might just have a little announcement about some live shows that we may be doing leading up to the Super Bowl, maybe at some events even. And so stay tuned for that. Uh, It's pretty exciting stuff for the Peter Report podcast. Just rest assured there is going to be plenty of content coming your way uh, over the coming, uh, over this next week, especially um, as we continue to talk about those things. So we didn't get to the Senior Bowl much today, uh, Matt, which we'll have to touch on maybe Sunday night a little bit since we're kind of like far from the game, still a week from the game and things like yeah. that. But I know very few Bucks fans are thinking about the Senior Bowl right now. Uh, and they're instead focused on the bigger bowl that's coming up in the Super Bowl. So it's been fun. We appreciate y'all. Thanks so much for tuning in and for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out. Out.